0: So Michael Frost, the author of Surprise the World, the book that we're studying at the moment, tells the story of volunteering to help the Salvation Army as they collect money for a disaster relief appeal. The uh, local Salvation Army Corps was very small, so they called on Christians from other churches in town to go door to door asking for donations. And Michael Frost volunteered and he was given an identification tag and a bucket with the famous logo on it. At one house, Michael knocked on the door and he was met by a very warm and enthusiastic man. He gladly donated and explained that the Salvation Army had helped his family when he was a young boy. They really got his family through a tough time. And he went on to say how grateful he was for that assistance and how much he loved the Salvation Army for all the work it did to alleviate his family's suffering and also the way they helped the poor right across the world. In fact, the man continued, I've always been intrigued by you guys. I mean, you do so much for other people, but who are you exactly? Are you a church? Are you a charity? You're Christians, right? Why exactly do you believe? Do you baptise people? Do you agree with same-sex marriage? Are you like the Southern Baptists or are you like the Pentecostals? Who are you? And much to Michael's embarrassment he went on and on with scores of questions about the Salvation Army. And I say to his embarrassment because Michael Frost is not actually a member of the Salvation Army. And he couldn't accurately answer many of the questions. And finally, he had to admit that he was only volunteering. He didn't actually belong. And i open with that story because over the last three weeks, we have been exploring the need to live questionable lives, to surprise the world through blessing other people, through eating meals with other people, we hope that it will lead our neighbours to question why we are different. What is it in us that makes us so joyful or so hopeful? What is it in us that makes us committed to the needs of others who live around us? But here's the thing. Unless we know what to say when those questions come, all of our previous efforts will have been in vain. We'll be a little bit like Michael Frost, standing dumbfounded on a stranger's porch, not knowing what to say. In all three of our sermons so far, we have talked about the biblical model of evangelism. It has two parts. There are gifted evangelists who are called to go out and boldly proclaim the gospel. And then there are everyday believers, like you and I, who are called to live surprising lives. Lives that invite the questions of their neighbours. And we've recognised in this series that not every Christian is naturally confident or feels themselves to be a convincing speaker. In fact, it's been a relief for some of us that in the Bible, not every believer is a powerful evangelist. But that doesn't let us completely off the hook. Because we do all need to be able to say something. Do you remember the verse that we read from 1 Peter 3? In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Even as ordinary Christians, we do need to be able to share something on why we believe what we believe. We need to be able to say a little bit about who Jesus is and the difference he can make. To your life and the principle of this next part of our series on surprising the world is that we all need to be learning about Jesus so that when our friends and our family when our neighbors and our colleagues ask questions we have something ready to say and we're going to be encouraged to make this learning a habit to set time aside each week to focus ourselves on the life and the ministry and the example of Jesus. But before we think any more about forming the habit, I'd like us to briefly reflect on what it is that we need to be able to talk about when answering people's questions. I've picked up three tips On how to share our faith in conversation. Tip number one: when we're trying to share our faith, rather than preaching the gospel, we should simply try to talk about Jesus. I know that sounds strange, but let me explain. There is a joke about a minister giving a children's talk in church. The minister asks the children for the name of the little creature that lives in trees. It eats nuts. It's grey or red. It has a long bushy tail. Jumps from branch to branch. Chatters and flips its tail when it's excited. No response. And finally one little boy puts up his hand. And the minister breathes a sigh of relief and calls him to answer. Well, said the boy, it sure sounds like a squirrel, but I know the answer must be Jesus. As funny as that is, and if you've been in church through Sunday school, you will know the relevance of that joke. When it comes to responding to people's questions out there in the world, actually the answer is Jesus. Jesus. Now, of course, if someone asks us a very specific question about a very particular topic, we do need to try and answer what they're asking about. Otherwise, we're just going to frustrate them and drive them away. But as we speak, we are to try and include Jesus. His example, his teaching, what he might have to say on this issue. That's what we're trying to get in the conversation. And the church, even myself, standing here at this pulpit, have often told people you need to go out and and preach the gospel at every opportunity. But as we've mentioned in this series, that can be quite an intimidating thing for some of us to hear because some of us are unsure as to what that means. What exactly does it mean to preach the gospel? Well, listen to the words of Paul in Romans 1. Paul A servant of Christ Jesus, called to be apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. As Paul introduces himself to the Romans, he describes himself as set apart for the gospel. But then he goes on to explain what the gospel is. Listen as he continues. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who the Holy Spirit was appointed the son of God in power from the resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. According to that passage, the gospel is the story of Jesus. His messianic credentials his descent from king david his vindication and his validation by the spirit of god and most importantly his resurrection from the dead in fact every time paul explains his use of the term gospel he does so by recounting the life of jesus If you read uh, Paul's lengthy evangelistic sermon in Acts chapter 13, where he is literally preaching the gospel, the focus is entirely on the events of Jesus' life. His royal birth, his miracles, his teaching, his sacrificial death, his resurrection. And even when Paul doesn't have the space for a lengthy retelling of Jesus' story, he summarises it as he did in Romans 1. Listen to these words from 2 Timothy 2, verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, Paul says. So according to Paul, the gospel is quite simply all about Jesus. His claim to the eternal throne. His invitation to enter God's kingdom. His atonement on the cross for our sins. His status as the risen Lord. So this is what I mean when I say don't preach the gospel, just tell them about Jesus. Because telling them about Jesus is telling them the gospel. Jesus is the good news. We don't need to overcomplicate it. And as believers, we need to try and become As familiar with the life of Jesus as we can to read the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John in the Bible. So it just rolls off our tongue when people ask us about who Jesus is. When they ask us, well, why are you trying to bless people? Why are you eating meals with others? Why do you remain hopeful when the world is crashing down around us? The answer is Jesus. In the book, uh, Michael Frost refers to us needing to be marinated, marinated in the story of Jesus, so that we can readily share about his life when the occasion calls us to. Tip number two for talking to others about faith is, don't focus on their sin, focus on the kingship of Jesus. If you take time to read through the preaching of Paul in the book of Acts, you'll notice that very little of Paul's gospel sharing is telling people that they're sinners. What Paul focuses on, above everything else, is letting people know that Jesus is king. He is king of kings. He is lord of lords. He is sovereign over all. And one day he's coming back. And his kingdom's going to come in full. When people ask us, well, why do you live as you do? Our goal is to let them know that we're living like this because we're trying to follow the example of Jesus, the king. David Bosch, who is another well-known Christian writer on the topic of mission, wrote this. The mission of God's people is to alert others to the universal reign of God. If we believe that Jesus at this minute is reigning as king, and if we believe that his kingdom that is here and is yet to come is a kingdom of reconciliation and justice and beauty and wholeness, we need to demonstrate those things in our actions and we need to be prepared to speak about them. What does that mean in practice? Well, it means us spending time learning the stories of Jesus and how he announced and demonstrated the kingdom of God. We need to learn about the miracles that he did, because all of those miracles were signposts to what the kingdom will be like. We need to learn the parables he told, because in those parables we see the values that Jesus reigns with. Then when people ask us why we do what we do, we can tell them about what King Jesus did. Now some of us listening to this might be a little bit disturbed at this advice not to focus on people's sin. After all, forgiveness is a vital part of the good news. Judgment and hell are biblical realities and we long to see people saved from them but we don't need to be disturbed because if we share Jesus well it will lead people to question their lives a little earlier I mentioned Paul's sermon in Acts 13 we will look at it in the bible study this week and Paul concluded that sermon with this Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin, a justification that you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Now what we notice here is that Paul does end up addressing people's sin, but he begins with Jesus. In other words, He preaches the story of Jesus. He does it for a good 21 verses. And then he ends up with that verse about sin. The justification we find at the cross. Anchored as it is in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So tip number one is just tell people about Jesus. Tip number two is focus on Jesus as king. Tip number three is this, don't focus on talking about church, talk about the purposes of God. We often fall into the trap of wanting to tell people how great our church is, and I'm glad we're proud of this church, I love this church. But we're not recruitment officers for Ida Baptist Church. And it's also tempting when people come to us with questions about the mistakes made by the church, the crusades and the many child abuse scandals that hit the news, that we feel that our job is somehow to defend the church. But real gospel ministry is simply pointing people to Jesus. Instead of advertising church programs or defending the actions of other Christians, we need to focus on sharing how King Jesus has changed our lives. We're to give a little bit of testimony as to what it is that he's doing within us and how he has changed us in our lives today. As Christians, we believe that God created the world according to his good purposes. He saw it and it was very good. And then sin came home and it it came in and it damaged what God had made. But God took the punishment for that sin on the cross. We believe that Jesus conquered evil, brought forgiveness and defeated death. And we believe that one day the kingdom is going to come. One day heaven is coming to earth. When Jesus returns all things will be made new. And today, we are living in light of that glorious future. And because we know where this world is going, our lives today have real purpose. Not just the purpose of church going, but the purpose of joining God in his redemption and repair and renewal of the world. We are helping him, to bring heaven to earth in our actions and our words. I want to see the Christian life as a really exciting one. It's not a life just confined to church rotors. If all you can talk to your friends about is the rotor you on at church, it's going to seem pretty boring. But we're a part of God's word, God's work to to save the earth, to bring heaven to earth, to bring a kingdom that's going to transform everything. We're part of that. We're helping Him to prepare people for that day that is coming. It is far more than just signing up for some rotors and serving coffee once a week on a Thursday. So don't focus on the church. Focus on what God is doing and how we have a part in it so there we go three tips on how to begin answering people's questions but what I hope we can see is that they all revolve around Jesus who he is what he's done his teaching, his example the difference he's made to our lives what he's going to do when he comes back we need to be able to talk about Jesus Jesus and to do that, we need to spend time learning about him. I have a 10 year old nephew. His name is Harry. Some of you have met him. Harry is obsessed with Liverpool Football Club, and in particular, his favourite player, Mo Sal. Despite only being 10 years old, Harry can tell you Mo Sal's age and his birthday. He can tell you what clubs Mo Salah played for before joining Liverpool. He can tell you how much Liverpool paid for him. He can tell you how many goals Mo Salah has scored and which teams he scored a hat-trick against. Harry can tell you what type of boots Mo Salah wears and who his strike partners are. If you ask my nephew anything about Liverpool and Mo Salah, his face lights up. He bubbles over with excitement. In fact, you struggle to stop him speaking once he's started. How does Harry know all of that stuff? Because he immerses all of his spare time in things to do with football. He collects the cards, he collects the stickers, he he reads the football annuals over and over and over. He watches the games, he looks Mo Salah up online, he talks about him with my brother. As Christians, we need to be able to talk about Jesus with that same energy and enthusiasm, the same reverence and awe, the same delight and wonder as my nephew. In fact, more so because Mo Salah is an idol and Jesus is God. But to be able to do that, we have to cultivate the habit of learning about him. In his book, Michael Frost encourages us all to set apart one portion of time each week to learn about Jesus. And that's alongside any other Bible devotions that you do or uh, the Bible studies that you come to at church. He encourages us to set apart one period of time, doesn't give an amount of time, that's up to you, but to set it apart to learn about Jesus. You can do that through reading the gospel. Over and over again, chapter by chapter. Maybe read it out loud, perhaps read it right through in one sitting. You can do Mark in an hour and a half, I've done it. He encourages us to use devotional notes if we're struggling to understand. Get a commentary, get a help. If you're struggling to find a good book about Jesus, come and talk to me. I've got a few on my shelves, I can recommend some to you, I can lend you one. He encourages us to use good online teaching. There's some great sermons on YouTube. There's good stuff out there. But just one period a week. Maybe it's a Saturday morning. Maybe it's a Wednesday lunchtime. Whatever suits your routine. But Can we develop this habit of learning more and more about Jesus to the point where he shapes our life? Where we're becoming more like him and more excited by him week by week. This series is encouraging us to live lives that surprise the world. We are trying to bless people. We are trying to build relationships by eating with others. But we need to make sure that when those questions come, we have something to say.